Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. It's time to in Ebor City at 1714 7th Avenue, where it all began. It's time to jump into the rotation. Oh, oh, yeah, that, that was, this is where you cue the title. See, I like that cold open thing because it makes I, us, it makes us look like we're just waking up. I I just like like yeah, I, I get into your intro, man, and it distracts me, and I've got like shit that I need to queue up, and just stop being so awesome, Gary. Okay, well, let's just re- remind everybody that this show is brought to you by nobody. We don't have any well, sponsors. You know why? It's normal. because Florida is all about freedom and being free, and that's exactly why we work that way, right? Right. And, and like everybody was free to not wear a mask when we were over in Tallahassee the other oh, day. Oh, yeah. That was there. There were certain areas of certain buildings that were seemed very dirty. <laughs> very, <laughs> and, and very certain, scary, too. But that, uh, as certain areas of certain buildings where like people seem to care about other people and their health. But I heard that a lot of at all these you know, usual requests to be doctor of the day, the guys are saying, oh, no, I know what's happening. I know it's going to come on. I'm not going to be doctor of the day. <laughs> That's going to be too much work this time. Before, I just sat back and just wait and see if somebody fell off the treadmill. Now it's all different. Uh, it's, oh, Gary, I didn't get to talk to you about this. We're so disorganized. So, so okay. uh, I, I've got to like this product. Like, takes to like an hour to actually review it. So, like, actually, like, I'm going to ask you to get to business here and okay. introduce I, our guests. Okay. Well, so first off, we'll start off by introducing ourselves. My name is Gary Stein. I'm the political director here at Florida. Of Suncoast Normal. This is my co-host, the affable, as I've often named him, Carlos Ermita. I, don't, I still don't know what that means. And uh, from above the beltway, our executive director, freshly back from Dominican Republic, which held him on a, a on a new COVID visa, which means you don't go anywhere until we let you until we let you leave. So welcome back uh, onto Terra Firma. It's nice to have you back. It's good to be back home and 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 to be COVID negative. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, if you notice, uh, I'm wearing my, my my navy hat today. No, I'm not doing an impression of Rick Scott. Okay, although I do have that kind of earthworm Jim feel about it. But the fact is, I'm wearing it because we have a special guest today, which of course is Representative Andrew Lerman, who also is a navy guy. Uh, Andrew, were you one of those uh, Waukegan kids? Did you uh, go to? Uh, Great Lakes? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was an officer the whole time. So University of Tampa, ROTC, uh, four years off the coast of Somalia as a surface warfare officer, and I've been at Special Operations Command Central ever since. Now, that means that you you are destined for the Senate, because if, you, if you've ever heard uh, uh, Brand, uh, Jeff Brandis talk, he always says that the Senate works like four Somalian warlords. So you're already familiar with them. So uh, 
<laughs> you, you'd fit right into that that whole aspect. I'm, I'm ready. Bring it. <laughs> but I wow. do. I always say house side, best side. So I don't know. That might come back to haunt me one day. <laughs> well, the house basically works in a very military fashion. I'd say it definitely has a uh, a chain of command, and and it's definitely leadership from the top as opposed to from the bottom. Uh, have, did you notice that as soon as you walked into the uh, the house? You know, I think I think it's true on the Republican side. Um, but the truth is, they already tried to beat me once; they weren't able to. So, what power do they have over me, right? So, uh, on the Republican side, it's a very top-down driven process. But on the Democratic side, um, I think the situation is probably a lot similar to what Senator Brandis Brenda said: we get to do what we want. Yeah, except for the fact you can't do any more than six bills. Eventually, we're going to have to change that. Hey, we got seven now. So yeah, we already oh, did. We <laughs> seven boy, bills, but if you get creative, I'm up to eleven because I'm running. Uh, I'm running some uh, prime co-sponsors, but also uh, repealers, which don't count. Okay, and, and and memorials don't count either, correct? Yep. Yep. And of course, all all your appropriations bills, and there are a ton of appropriations bills this year. I think I've seen more appropriations bills than any of the last few years. Hey, I, I have one job, and that's to make it rain for the people in Brandon, Riverview, and uh, and Ebor. So I got you. <laughs> so nice. so you, you're the representative for for this fine area right here. I am Brandon and Riverview. I actually don't have Ebor, but it's like so close that I I love to try to help out. Well, you got to come and you know check out Chillum and all that, and we got some like cool things going on. Like, well, I don't know. There's like the controversial stuff happening right now in Ebor about the the noise ordinance. I had a feeling you were gonna bring that up. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it really doesn't affect this store, but it literally affects everybody around us. And I mean, it could change the place for the better. I don't know if I should like have an opinion about it, <laughs> but you know, the, it, it, it's it's interesting to see there there's uh, changes happening in Ebor right now for sure. It's get, is it getting more gentrified? You think? Uh yeah, I don't know what that means, Gary. <laughs> they, let, they let the rich folks move in. Oh yes, that's exactly what's happening. I mean, before it was just the box factory got got rehabbed and went from just being a, a warehouse essentially to uh, to being fairly nice little condos. Correct? So, so I, I I I honestly I've never. I, it looks nice. I don't I don't know if I've ever been there. Yeah. But let, let's get back on topic. <laughs> Go ahead. Because I've got like a, a a weird review today. The review today takes about an hour to kick in. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's uh, having Rev Learned on the show today. I assure you, Rev Learned, we are all 21 and up. Uh, <laughs> and this edible has been tested. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Olivia here is going to help us out. But uh, I, uh, to, to let you guys what's, know what's going on, uh, there's a Chillum uh, review part of the show that goes on. And here is the intro. So, wow, that is just so chilling. So we have uh, a Delta 8 edible, which is a chocolate bar, cookies and cream bar, but no cap hemp co, which was established in 2017. Um, and we're going to go ahead and eat some right now and let you guys know how it works. See, it's really nice to have a product where you know who manufactured it. That really does help in regards to uh, assessing the quality of the product. I think that's something that, that uh, we had already discussed before in your office, Rep Learning. 
Yeah. You see, this would be a good good segue to talk about all the things uh, Red Andrew Learning has going on <laughs> right now and as far as Delta 8 and cannabis is concerned. A lot of the the smoke shops out here, thank you very much. And the and I'm going to give some to, three, really? to Olivia here. Okay, hold on. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the smoke shops and the, and the specialty CBD shops are always highly concerned about what they're doing in Tallahassee. At least for two months out of the year, they are anyway. The rest of the time, it's just forget about it. It doesn't doesn't pertain to them. Don't worry about it. But your bill has actually got some things that have to do with, with Delta Eight. Now, here's the question: Does it define Delta Eight as a uh, a synthetic cannabinoid or a uh, <clears throat> what, what they would call it, a change cannabinoid? Because in fact, you, you do it by adding the acid wash and bring up the Delta Eight. The only thing our bill does, as far as the definition is concerned, is we realign the Florida definition to the federal definition. So there won't be a discrepancy between the two in the law anymore. So if you meet the federal definition, you're going to be fine in Florida. Is there a distinct federal definition for Delta 8, or or is that just basically making that particular part fit? Yeah, no, sorry. This is all defined in the Farm Bill. So this is um, what defines hemp. So in Florida law, we've always said it's less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC. 0.03, that yeah. Inclusion of, yeah, sorry, 0.03. So the inclusion of the Delta 9 is what's allowed these, the creation of the other derivatives. Um, the federal definition is, just does it differently. It, it's very complicated. It's a multi-paragraph definition, and, and it's all based on math formulas um, and I would encourage people to go look at it, but I think it's just a more inclusive, well thought out definition. Uh, and they are trying to be a little bit more, um, I know there's federal um, conversations about going to a 0.1 standard instead of the 0.03. Uh, so this would be helpful to align to theirs instead of having our own. Uh, Chris, you're nodding your head. You had something you want to add to that? Well, I think, uh, Rep. Learned, you're on the right track with uh, bringing in uh, state law into, you know, uh, uh, fitting with the federal law. And I also see, you know, your bill here, um, House Bill 679. Um, I had also- no idea you were to bring that up. <laughs> you know, you, you, uh, you, you're uh, prohibiting uh, medical marijuana uh, laboratories from having economic interests or financial relationships with the medical marijuana treatment centers or dispensaries. And I think that is definitely uh, important. We don't want the people who are supposed to be safeguarding us and testing us to be uh, pushing through products. That's why uh, people have no faith in our, our Food and Drug Administration at the federal level many times. Yeah, I, th- I think the most important thing that people need to know about my bill is, is candidly where it came from. Uh, last year, I was probably the most vocal opponent for THC caps in the process. Um, I ran a bill to expand patient protections, um, out-of-state reciprocity, uh, telehealth, you name it. It was kind of like all in there. And what 679 is, is the culmination of uh, Spencer Roach's efforts to cap THC and my efforts to expand the existing medical program. And we just sat down and been working on this for the last nine months of what were the parts that we agree on, right? Like I'm a hard no on caps. He's a hard no on, well, I I don't want to speak for him, but there, you know, there's parts of my bill that are not in this, right? And um, what's left in the bill is everything that we all thought were just genuinely good ideas. Right. Um, so essentially, rather than being broad spectrum, this is a distillation. I'm sorry. As as opposed to being a broad spectrum of, of rules and regulations, this essentially is a distillation of them. Basically, pulling out this the, is the, targeted. The more important. 
This is a targeted and balanced build. So uh, there are parts that I like, there's parts that I don't like, but there's also all of it is is genuinely moving us in a in a more positive direction. It's not the bill I would have drafted if I was king for the day, um, but I'm not. So we have to work within the process and this is one that we think we can get across the finish line. This is an interesting uh, uh, bill for, for me. There's, there's a lot of stuff in here that affects me, not only for uh, owning a hemp business, but uh, you know, I, I've been a, a cannabis activist for a long time. So uh, I definitely get like a give and take feeling when I read the bill, you know what I mean? Like there, there, there's uh, there. And because of that give and take feeling, my first response was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Right. Um, but really after sitting down and really reviewing everything and really like, Looking at Tallahassee from a holistic perspective, <laughs> I really think this is going to be the best bill moving forward. <laughs> um, there, there, there's a lot of stuff in here that you know it, it, it uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's controversial. There's a lot of stuff in here that you know, there's some activists are not going to want to fucking you know give. Um, but honestly, I think it's, uh, it, it's worth it. I think the, uh, it generally moves everything in a positive direction. It generally keeps everything, uh, you know, in a positive direction and keeps everything from moving in a negative direction in the future. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I said the same thing twice. That's a, well, that's, it was, it was probably, <laughs> probably more repeating. That's the whole point. Hey, here's the two things that I like about it. First off, the fact that it, it has bipartisan support. Yeah. And that is something we haven't had from any single bill that's come up since uh, SB8A, which was the original implementation bill for, for uh, the Amendment 2. And that's why we've had glitches that have stayed in place for years. Now, Chris and I, we worked on a number of bills, and we've taken them back to Tallahassee year after year after year. And each one of them look at us and they say, we're not going to do that. I said, but we, I thought that when we finished with SB8A, we're going to do this. No, 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 we're not going to do that. All they did do was let the, the, the provisions sunset that are supposed to sunset and ignore the provisions they were supposed to – they actually had deadlines for, like the, uh, like the licenses. So we, 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 were, we, were, we had a quantum leap when we, we first got our the Amendment 2 passed and had the implementation bill finally knocked out after a session and a half. But it seems like the momentum stopped right there. And I kept on telling people who said, well, take your bills over to the Democrats <laughs> and I, because they're more friendly to the cannabis bills. And I said, yes. But the problem is, like, for instance, uh, Carlos, who's a good friend of mine at the Guillermo Smith, that is, who puts out bills year after who year. Who never year, remembers my and name. And they don't quite make committee <laughs> or what, what Greco calls DOF, dead on filing. And if we want our bills to move forward, I knew we were going to have to have some kind of bipartisan approach to it. And I hate to sound like Manchin because he's a Heisevich for me. You, it's actually it's it's kind of refreshing if you think about it because like politics seem to be like nobody wants to work together anymore you know what i mean it's everything's one-sided everything's one-sided social media algorithms at this point you know like uh republicans only want what republicans want and democrats only want what democrats want and i i commend you rep learning for for working with uh you know the other side so to speak so i want to know uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andy, where, what was your thought process? What, what was your learning curve that brought you to the epiphany as to how actually to make it happen? Huh. Good so, 
candidly, I think the conventional, and I could be totally wrong on all this, right? Like it is not passed yet. We are still need to get past Chair Robinson on a committee reference. If, if somebody's watching this and wants to help me, andrewlearned.com slash action. You can email Chair Robinson and tell him why this matters to you. Yeah, danger, um, Will Robinson, we're coming for you. We need, we need to get this bill heard. Um, but I think the conventional wisdom for the last five years is kind of exactly what you were you're saying, um, Gary, which is, you know, scale down bills to the point where it's like one thing and try to pass one thing. And, and last year I had one that was um, free cards for veterans. As, as you said at the beginning, I'm a vet. I think it's a great concept. Um, but really what I tried to do was I took the conventional wisdom and flipped it upside down. And I said, instead of doing one thing in a targeted way, we're going to take all of the stakeholders and we're going to put them in one bill. So like you were kind of getting at earlier about there was a lack of trust between activists because they saw reproach on the bill and this is going to be some underhanded thing. I mean, at the same time, every MMTC was scared shitless of what we were trying to do. Every testing organization was scared. The Department of Health, the Department of Ag. I mean, every stakeholder who's involved in this bill, whether it's activists or on the business side, everybody was afraid of it. So this, once we were able to, I think, get the word out, get it filed a couple of weeks ago, where now everybody knows that this is a genuine effort to just move the, you know, move one step further move the conversation a little bit down the field. Once we started that, the idea was every, there's no stakeholder fighting this bill. The MMTCs get something. The uh, Department of Health is getting some things. The Department of Ag is getting some things. Activists are getting things. Uh, evangelical Christians who, who want to regulate are, are getting things in this bill. So, so there, there's a little bit for it. everybody. And I think that's what we're trying to do different here. I noticed one of the first bills that actually hit the uh, committee and actually got past the first committee was the, uh, the appropriations bill for drug-free Florida. And that is kind of chilling because last year it, it did go through, but it didn't get, it, it was taken off the budget. They felt it was uh, a bit of a turkey, but they, they, they came back, asked for $100,000 to do a study on uh, the, the effect of cannabis on pregnancy and postpartum when that's been done many, many times before. And to be honest with you, as somebody who knows how to create clinical trials, $100,000 isn't going to do it unless you have an agenda that you want to seriously do a surgical push into a, a, a crowd that has too small of an end, so to speak, not enough people involved in it. And it's basically a way to predis predispose yourself to the answer you want to get if you're only going to spend $100,000. And I'm hoping that you use that next time that, when it gets to the floor and ask and mention that, that it's not enough to do a proper study and it's been done before. So why are they getting $100,000? We could use it for something else. We have a we have huge uh, budget uh, shortfalls this year as we have the year, but in the year prior. And I'd like to, to not see it move forward. One of the things I actually thought was interesting in, in early versions of my bill, I was trying to get more resources for the state university research system on cannabis. Um, and, and, and honestly, this had happened independent of me. I pulled it out of the bill because there was the, the consortium finally released their first report with lots of actual good studies from the last couple of years. So I think that ball is starting, but it's, we're so far behind that it's taking researchers, researchers time to get these results out to us. Um, 
And I think overwhelmingly what we're seeing is we are not seeing these, the harms that the other side is afraid of, right? So um, it's th this, we're in the right direction as far as the, where we're trying to go. We just need catch up from the other side. And, and I do think our bipartisan bill is going to be the first of many. I hope we pass it this year so that next year we're starting from a better position than we are now. Um, a step forward means next year we're on step two instead of on step one, if we're able to get mm -hmm. this. Um, but I do think the, the dominoes are starting to fall where, you know, I have the chairman of the Republican Party of Florida as my Senate sponsor on this bill. The guy who single-handedly tried to kill the marijuana program with THC caps last year is my prime co-sponsor on this. So we are we are removing obstacles to progress as we speak, and I think that means we are going to have brighter days ahead. We just need, you know, time is of the essence, right? We don't want to wait another year of of inaction, right? So uh, the faster we get this done, the faster the next step, the next step, the next step will take place. So it's not a matter of uh, keeping your friends close and your enemies closer. It's more along the lines of evangelizing those to bring them into the fold. I'm friends with everybody, man. <laughs> well, you know, Rep. Learner, you, you operated in combat situations. You, you know, uh, you know how it is where, you know, when you're off duty, you have buddies who uh, they might have political views or, or think things that the exact opposite. But when you got to work together to accomplish a mission, uh, you can put, you know, differences aside to get it done. He's a jarhead, by the way, in case we, you didn't know. We appreciate you doing that. Well, I'm Navy. That's the Marines. No, yeah. I'm talking about Chris. No, I know. Oh, right, right. Head, Gary, United States Air Force. You better get it together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways, uh, Rep. Learned that the one thing in the bill, and I think Gary touched on it a little bit when he was bringing up drug-free Florida, is um, is the concern about um, you know prohibitionists being brought in front of the legislature, and we saw it last session as expert witnesses and putting up bulk science as expert testimony. And the only thing that still gives me pause in the bill is the Medical Marijuana Testing Advisory Council. I see that, you know, the governor gets to point two folks, president of the Senate, the speakers of the House. Is there any safeguard to prevent uh, bonk scientists, uh, you know, from being paraded around and putting up prohibitionist uh, white papers as scientific fact? on that council in the future. Cause that's, yeah. that's the only thing that gives me like Mr. Aronson from the New York times. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a perfectly fair critique. And, uh, and I'll tell you this just as a, as a starting point, the template we used for that council is basically the same template that's used for councils across Florida. So if we were to give the governor fewer seats or, you know, the, the speaker, if you were, that would be seen as a snub. And that's like one way to kill your bill right off the top. I mean, it, it, and just for petty nonsensical reasons, right? Like that's just pure, the governor gets his two seats, the Senate president gets his two seats. The, I would also point out from, from the, you know, democratic activist side of me, right? Being a realist about the process, the governor gets a lot of weight in that council. Uh, the governor gets a lot of weight in all councils across the state of Florida. Uh, we're seeing this with uh, Dr. Lapido with um, you know his crusade against science and COVID fighting right now. The governor can do a lot of things at the governor's prerogative. Um, that said, the, 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 the lowest hanging fruit for Democrats to make gains statewide and really shake things up and, and, and fundamentally change our state in a short period of time is to flip the governor's mansion. So if you think about it, if, if the Democrats ever did flip the governor's mansion, 
we would be in position to flip more than half the seats on this committee, right? So um, I don't view the makeup of the committee as necessarily bad in and of how it's structured. I think it's structured bad because we're out of power and frank, candidly, elections have consequences. So the solution to this is not, let's change the committee. The solution is let's win some damn elections and, and, and move this conversation in a more positive direction. Now, I'm going to well, ask you a question about something you don't have much control over as well. Uh, we know that with some political appointees, they have to be approved by the Senate, such as our Surgeon General. Uh, do you think it's a very good possibility? Because they were actually kind of against Dr. Rivkey's at first. And I took I, I took a listen to the testimony, and I sat down and talked with him for a while. And eventually he grew on me because he was a very nice gentleman and very concerned about public health. He was a pediatrician. He didn't have as much uh, activity in public health as far as his uh, curricula vitae is concerned. But he was more than willing to dive into that learning curve, and he was doing it pretty darn good from the, from the beginning. So I was kind of a, sorry for him to see that he'd gotten, he had gotten his uh, voice curtailed during the uh, pandemic and then, then ha eventually have him leave for Dr. Uh, Ladapo to come in, who I don't think is as is, is qualified as Dr. Rivkes was. But I think it's a possibility that the Senate might just not approve him. You don't have to answer that if you can't. I think it's possible, but I, I'm not going to speculate. <clears throat> I mean, we... We just have fair. We we just don't have the votes in Florida, right? Like we need to win local races. Everybody pays attention to what's happening nationally with Trump and and now DeSantis, but uh, nobody pays attention to their local state legislative race, and that's where that's where we've lost this fight over the last twenty five years. So and you're 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 in an interesting district because uh, if you're you're in fifteen, right? I'm in 59, but I'm, I'm, the 59, only Democrat, I'm, sorry, 59. I'm the only Democrat who won a battleground seat anywhere in the state. So I won by 600 votes, 632, not that I count. And uh, <laughs> if you, uh, every seat redder than mine is held by a Republican and every seat bluer than mine is held by a Democrat. And uh, yeah. but that's, yeah, where, that's where these battle lines are drawn. Yeah. Your district has flipped, I'd say, what, four times in the last nine years, going back and forth between... Ross Spano and then Adam and now yourself. But never again, Gary. Never again. Yeah, it's not going to flip ever again. But <laughs> it is very much, very much a purple district. Yeah. I mean, if you see any of the uh, the candidate shows over at Bell Shoals that they put on during the election, you see far more folks on the right than you see on the left that actually come to those kind of things. Oh, for sure. And, I, and it makes you, and you feel from the audience exactly where the what, what the zeitgeist is of that particular neighborhood. And it Gary, you've never, you've never I mean, had I, I, to follow I, Joe Redner uh, at a Bell Shows Baptist Church candidate forum. <laughs> I have. And trust me, it is an icy crowd after Joe gets up and speaks to Bell Shows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certain he, he, he liked to throw a, a, a couple lighters onto that gas pile. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, Chris, that would be fun to see. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, my seat voted for Trump, right? Like I, I see that every day, but I had a guy, a door that I knocked during my last election. I used to love to tell the story. I, I knocked on it. You could hear the, the NASCAR race in the background. Like this is like not a go-to door for me, right? And uh, he opens the door, he had a MAGA hat on. And I, I have a palm card, it's like two-sided. One side is like, red, white, and blue pictures of me in a uniform, you know, kicking in doors on Somali pirates. 
And uh, the other side is all my lefty liberal <laughs> stuff, right? And he's like, so I'm like red, white, and blue side up. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm Andrew. I'm a veteran. I'm running to be your, your state representative. And he like looks at me, like looks down, looks at the car. He looks at me, he's like, where are you at on marijuana? And I was like, I don't know. Smoke it if you got it, I guess. He's like, you got my vote. <laughs> that, was the whole, that was the whole conversation. So I, I, I think this is a good issue for us. I think there's a lot of people. I think this whole, like, I mean, candidly, this, um, I, I hate relating these two concepts, but I think there's some, some interesting, like, parallels here. Like, I think marijuana represents people who don't want Big Pharma to tell them what to do. I think it represents people who uh, have a little bit of that libertarian American, like, spirit in, in them, right? And I think there's a little bit of that in this whole anti-vax movement right now. Not the not the rejecting science people, but the folks who just don't want government mandates. And I think there's a there there's a way here where we can talk about um, being in control of your own body, being in control of your own medicine, freedom of choice. Like this is an issue that we can win on. Uh, and 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 I I. I love it for that reason. I think that we're on the right side of history here, and I want to make sure that we um, are effective at it too. Because well, being right isn't enough, right? You have to, you got to win. And, um, I, and I, I that's where I try a, to stay focused. I want to take a moment to focus on the bill itself and actually give you a, a moment to uh, describe how this benefits the marijuana uh, medical marijuana system in the state. Like, really, there there's a lot of things that this bill does, right? If you want to take a moment and just like describe like what are you most proud of as far as how this affects medical marijuana? And first off, I want to thank you for only being forty-eight pages because when I was told to go ahead and and read uh, Humphreys and Powell's bill, which only happens to be four hundred and twenty-one pages, and the title is seven pages long, I said to myself, "I feel so bad for the staff that has to do an analysis of that bill. They're not going to go home that week." That's why they're never going to get an analysis on that. Yeah. Well, let's be I've seen Tolstoy novels that are shorter than Humphrey's bill. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so, take, so right off take, the top, the main things are, this is about a 60% price reduction for the average cost, medical customer in Florida. Uh, we do that first and foremost by going from a one year to a two year card. That's a 50% savings right off the top. Uh, we also go from a seven month to an eight month, um, uh, recertification with your doctor. That would mean you're seeing your doctor about 10% less. It's also going to line up your third doctor's appointment with your uh, first card renewal right at that 24th month point. Uh, so that means there's less bureaucratic hassle along the way. Everything lines up. It's nice and easy for, for customers. It's just a customer. Um, it's, it's just making the program easier for people, right? We also make it so that you can do telehealth. So you don't have to take two hours out of your day to leave work, to drive to your doctor, to go have the appointment, to drive back. Like you can just do it online. It takes 10 minutes or however long your doctor is going to have you sit there. Uh, but it just makes being a patient easier. I think that is the one part that first and foremost, all of our activists, like we should all get behind um, because we do know how expensive this is and we want to make it simpler. We're also making the program uh, cheaper in a couple other ways on the back end. So like you were talking about um, disassociating the uh, testing providers from the MMTCs that they're testing, right? Making Absolutely. sure we have some transparency there. Uh, there's a, 
also, there's probably 50 strange quirks in this bill for things like the Department of Ag is allowed to um, inspect product, but there's no uh, existing law that allows their inspectors to transport this narcotic across, like, you know, on, on roads. So if they ever got pulled over by the cops for some reason, like they have drugs in the car. So we're allowing them to transport the product that they're supposed to be transporting for their job. Um, I, was, I was surprised you had a bill that actually did nothing more than change one word in a current statute. And that was to add testing onto, uh, <laughs> onto cannabis paraphernalia that would be allowed to be transported. Uh, sorry, yes, uh, different bill, but I know what you're talking about. I'll come back to that yeah. in a second. Um, but we also do the, the redefining, uh, we get at the Delta 8 thing in a variety of ways too. So we talked about, we changed the definition to the federal definition. Uh, we're also requiring product to be tested before it's sold. So if you're saying it's a Delta 8 product, you have to show us it's a Delta 8 product. Um, in advance, we test it, and then we then you're free to sell it statewide. Uh, as opposed to right now, you can put it on the shelf. An inspector has to come find it if it was bad or hot. Um, this is making sure that it's tested in advance, which is, I think, just a common sense uh, consumer safety issue. We do this for food all over the place. And then the last piece is um, we add the age of 21 to um, edibles. So like Carlos is doing his edible right now and he's over 21. So we're all good, right? Vastly so, over uh, 21. Yeah. <laughs> contrary to Dick. <laughs> <laughs> contrary to uh, all the reporting, we are not banning Delta 8. There's nothing in this bill anywhere that actually does that. All we are doing is is adding that age limit and making sure that Delta 8 is actually Delta 8, right? Which I don't think there's a lot of opposition to. Um, there are two other bills that I, I'll, I'll touch on, Gary, because you, you mentioned it. I have an, a memorial. This is not a Florida statute thing. This is a federal problem. But we are, um, I'm working with Joe Harding on making sure that we lean on our federal delegation to fix uh, their uh, ATF form so that your constitutional right in Florida to own uh, medical cannabis does not interfere with your constitutional right to own a firearm. Uh, that's a common sense bill where one constitutional right doesn't trump a second constitutional right. Uh, constitutional rights are constitutional rights, and we want to make sure that we protect Floridians in that sense. And then the last one is is kind of unrelated to cannabis, but it is touching it. The, um, the We are removing testing equipment from the list of paraphernalia. The reason is because we had something like 5,300 um, overdose deaths last year across the state. This is mostly from fentanyl. Um, many people know in, in many, many narcotics, um, you know, not a lot in, nothing in the medical world, but, you know, they, people are lacing products across the state with fentanyl. There are cheap, easily um, accessible fentanyl test strips, but unfortunately under the paraphernalia definition, those are illegal in the state of Florida. I have a one word change to just remove testing equipment from, from the list of paraphernalia. And that would allow people to test products and hopefully help with this overdose uh, crisis we're dealing with right now statewide. Yeah, we get this question over and over and over again, is that if I, am I gonna lose my medical cannabis card if I apply for a concealed carry weapon, concealed carry permit, or am I gonna not be able to get a concealed carry permit because they have, heck, I have a medical card. And to be honest with you, I think folks who, who uh, 
self-medicate with cannabis are less likely to automatically grab their gun and shoot the first thing that moves. And so therefore, I, I see that as, as a definite plus in regards to making certain you have folks who are a little more sane in regards to the use of firearms. It, it, it's What was that line that was in Lord of the Rings? It, that It's the wise man who knows how not to use power as opposed to when to use it. With great power comes great responsibility. No, that's Spider-Man. That's Spider-Man. That, no, that's uh, <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> I gotta read those books someday. All all really important stuff. Uh, (laughs) Rep London, one of the things that I wanted to do real quick uh, for your colleagues that might be watching or or when you share this later is kind of run through our, our, our Santa's wish list as activists and and you know uh, maybe you give us a thumbs up thumbs down maybe we're used to on these issues um the second amendment issue is something that you know is top of priority and uh, we're glad that you're tackling that but also the right to be able to keep your job as a medical marijuana patient or to not be decluded precluded from a job because you're testing positive for thc Uh, those employment protections are something that we're still looking for and then patient protections you know uh not being denied an organ transplant because you're a medical marijuana user or being kicked off your existing pain management program because your your pill mill doc uh, prefers you to come to him rather than the dispensary um and then of course you've already sponsored it in the past the free cards for veterans but also i I co-sponsored those last two also just (laughs) or i sponsored the last two last year the the nation protections if you go back and you look at early drafts of what we ran this year that was that was part of what we were working on um uh i don't think there was opposition from you know my my co-sponsors and and rep roach and people but you know we tried to get this um work through everybody like i said there's lots of stakeholders on this bill unfortunately we weren't able to get patient protections included in it in a way that um was going to allow us to to really get this bill moving uh but it is something that i care deeply about and i do i i also want to say i think there's a way forward with it i just don't think it was in position this year it's actually, um, and, I, and I'm sorry to go back to it, we talked about that testing council earlier. You'll see in the fine print of that, we have employment testing listed as part of their mandate. One of the biggest hurdles with the Chamber of Commerce when we were negotiating this early on was there's no way for them to know who's high at work and who is you know, taking products safely at home in their off time. And because of that inability, their, um, a lot of their federal insurance issues around workers' comp were affected. There's a way to do this. It just wasn't, ha- it wasn't possible given the time constraints of getting this bill heard. we got to get all the stakeholders on that. I personally really fought hard to scale it back to the point where we were just talking about state employees. Um, or allowing uh, municipal employees, but maybe not mandating it for them in a way that you could see a city like Miami say, you know, we're going to be the test case. We're going to go off on a limb. We're going to try this. We get some test cities across the state doing it. And then we realize, okay, we don't have as big an issue. We work through the kinks and then we apply it statewide. Um, My bill was just a statewide thing. That was very, you know, there's, there, it's hard to do that when you haven't tested it first. So I think we are on a road to how we want to get to patient protections. Um, I think everybody wants to protect patients. It's just there are really technical reasons why it's hard to do it. If you start looking at things like the trucking industry, um, law enforcement, uh, because they're 
their right, their right to run, uh, you know, carry a firearm is tied to federal rules, which obviously this is not allowed federally. So there were real technical problems. Um, and I, I'm saying that not as a past, but to say this is not a philosophical problem, I think, as much as it is a practical problem. And I think we can work through the practical part. We'll get to a place where we can get that done. And I'm sorry, that was a total tangent, but like, I really care about that one. <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. You know, one of the things that came up as we've in the past have been lobbying for our veterans to have a free medical marijuana cards is also um, there's a significant portion of people on Social Security disability in Florida, and they're strapped financially as well. So, um, you know, just keeping them in mind in the future as we're thinking about who should get free cards, definitely our vets who've sacrificed, but also those patients who just financially, it's not in there. You know, if you're living on $900 a month, how do you, you know, 75 bucks is a big hit to some folks. Yeah, um, I, I still have an amendment drafted on this bill for that. Um, I'm waiting to see how it goes through the process. I'm, I'm working with the committee chairs. I'm not trying to like shame anybody, get anything on the record. And, you know, I want to see that. We're That's what we're here for. We're, we're your shame yeah. council. Well, I'll walk with the bill behind them in Tallahassee. First thing, I, I mean, to. first thing first, though, like, again, priority and for me and I, you know, Gary was there when I was telling some activists this yesterday or, or two days ago was my first priority, and I'm unashamed in this, is getting the bill heard and getting it moving. Um, getting something done to me is more important than getting everything else. Um, and, and I'm not saying that because I don't have a heart for the vets. I'm the vice chairman of the Veterans Caucus. What got me involved in cannabis is is uh, Navy SEAL friends of mine who are self-treating with PTSD right now. Um, and this, and they swear by the product. So this is why I got involved in this conversation. I'm still a member of the Navy Reserve. I cannot, unlike Carlos, I cannot take a gummy right now. I get tested basically every month. Um, but the other thing, and I, I, I would love to put, put a, a plug in for your activists for next year is um, I, I really have a heart for getting minors on that list as well. Right now, under the existing law, a minor has to have a card, but also their caregiver. So this isn't about making cards free for minors. Uh, this is about making sure that they don't have to pay double, right? Because right now they have to pay double what everybody else pays. And those are the patients that are the sickest. You know, like I, I have kids like you don't typically turn to cannabis for your, you know, seven, eight year old unless it's your last resort, right? So these are some of our sickest patients, and they are the ones um, that are paying the most for the product. So I really want to clean that up by giving them free cards, too. We appreciate, you know, uh, your activism and, and your advocacy. You know, some of the other things that you, you kind of touched on it, we talked about PTSD, but expanding the qualifying conditions in Florida, I think is important because there are, you know, the way it's listed right now, sometimes doctors have to use a catch-all, you know, in, in there when there are so many other conditions, autism is something that we're seeing a lot of promise in. Um, you know, th there are uh, numerous conditions uh, other than what's currently outlined in statute. Opioid weaning was one that I tried. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and like you just said, with the way the fentanyl epidemic is, is, is hitting Florida right now, I think it's important for people to realize that cannabis is not a gateway drug, but it's an exit drug from the harder opioids that people have been addicted to. And if we can make sure that the system is patient focused and patient centric, uh, which you have strived to done since you've been in the house, we appreciate you. But the, the last little bits on our, our wish list, of course, are uh, tourist reciprocity. You know, people shouldn't come on vacation and leave on probation. These should
should be able to to use the, the get cannabis here if they're not a state patient. But then, you know, home growing is something that's near and dear to every activist's heart because, as you said before, there's that libertarian streak in American society where we don't necessarily want big corporate cannabis products that may have uh, subpar growing conditions or may have pesticides on them that, although maybe legal under the Department of Agriculture, might not be something you want on your medicine that you're smoking. Right. And then, you know, lastly, there's the, the you know, um, decriminalizing and legalizing it, which there are bills to do that. But uh, for your co- colleagues are listening, uh, you know, 68% of the American public want to see this legal. And it, 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 it is across all political spectrums that you touched on while you were knocking on doors. So I think it's time for your colleagues to step up. And we're glad to see you as this, uh, this pinnacle of bipartisan uh, cooperation to make it happen. Uh-huh. I'm trying it. And, and I would I would point out and anybody who, who's curious about where I'm coming from, I co-sponsored um, the recreation bill last year. I'm co-sponsoring the recreation bill again. Uh, and I do that for an important reason. I, I know that bill is not going to get heard. It's, it's not going to move. We are realists and we know that. Um, but it is where I, you know, where I philosophically want to be. Right. I just refuse to. Um, you know, I, I'm a pragmatist first, right? Um, I, somebody, somebody said I'm a progressive pragmatist because, you know, like that, that might be what I want, but I realize that I have to, getting a step in the right direction is better than me dying on my hill, right? And so I'm trying to get something done. There's, there's reasons why my bill does not include home grow. There's reasons why my bill doesn't include, you know, the, the reciprocity, even though I ran reciprocity last year in a bill of my own, right? Um, this is something that I think we can get done. And, and I think first and foremost, if we all want to make the program better, we should prioritize making the program better. Uh, and then come back next year and continue to fight for the things we believe in. But progress is better than no progress. And that's my that's my number one goal here. Well, Rep. Learning, both of us being vets, one of the things that I find interesting is, uh, you know, the, the number of states that continue to legalize, decriminalize, and, you know, folks uh, in their security clearance. You know, marijuana use remains relevant but not determinative. You know, what are your thoughts on, on security clearance and, and medical marijuana use, uh, you know, for, for our, our, our men and women in government service? Yeah, so federal issue. Um, again, I actually don't, because it's federal, I haven't spent a ton of time in it. I do know friends of mine, I have my TS, uh, top secret clearance, and uh, I, uh, I know friends who've divulged uh, recreational drug use, um, mainly cannabis, in their um in their uh, forms and they've been approved. So I don't think it's it's a hard no, uh, but I think it's one of the things that they look at when they do their investigations. Um, certainly something we could look into in the future. I, I just, I'm, candidly, I'm not an expert at it. So, uh, and I, I heard the story of what happened with some of those White House staffers um, early on in the administration. So I, I know it's an issue. I just, I, I need to learn it a little bit better and then get there. But candidly, at the federal level, I would love, I think we should do a descheduling. I think there's, you know, we have the votes, we have the power at the national level. So we should do that. Um, Unfortunately for me, like I don't have that vote. So I'm focused on what I can do in Florida. (laughs) 
Well, we appreciate you, you know, from where you're at in Florida and, and you know, definitely uh, advocating and standing up for folks. You know, at the federal level, yeah, we need to get the MORE Act passed. And, you know, it's been through the Judiciary Committee. We need to get it vote on the floor. You know, it passed the House uh, last year. You know, the Senate still remains the, the big, you know, um, hurdle in all of the federal legislation. And it's not just cannabis. I mean, voting rights, uh, you know, immigration reform, all the major things that are on people's mind. And, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on just the fact that uh, we have certain folks in our own party that that seem to be holding things up for an unrealistic 60 vote threshold? Well, there's barely a, a 50 percent, you know, plus one a majority in the Senate. Frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating for all of us, right? Uh, you know, I, I um, you know, I'm in a weird spot because I, I am the only Democrat who won a Trump district, right? So you're on the fast track to bigger and better things, right? Well, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at, like, I have a little bit of a soft spot for Senator Manchin in the sense that I, I, I understand he's representing, you know, what he thinks are his his vote, and your number one job is to represent your district. Right. Represent your people. Um, you know, there are plenty of things that I pers- there there's one or two issues that I, candidly, like I personally am on a different side of than the way my district would vote. Um, and, and you as a member, I think when you take your oath, it's um, there, there are some like moral conundrums that will come up where you personally have a, a disagreement and you got to figure out like where are those fights you want to die on which hills. I uh, can't die on every hill every time, but but I guess what I'm getting at is Senator Manchin, I think, is in a really tough spot in a variety of ways. Um, and, I, and I think you see that on his votes. Senator Sinema, though, I have like no sympathy for. Right? <laughs> so like, I, and, and there's times where I go back and forth, like I, I think the filibuster is absolutely not productive for our democracy, right? So I think we need to have a conversation about how we reform it um, because there, there's... There's times where you got to look at it and say, like, you know what, what the Republican, they, they stormed our capital. They, 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 they killed cops. Like, we are at a point where we have to fight for a democracy. Uh, this goes beyond, um, you know, what you, you know, your campaign bumper stickers of I want to be a bipartisan, right? Like, you, sometimes you got to put your foot in the ground and say enough is enough. Um, that said, you know, you do, you got to vote your district. And I want to make sure I'm trying to do that. So I can't fault other people. The the solution to all this is we have to, we have to go win more elections. Like candidly, like we take this shit for granted. I'm the only Democrat who won a Trump district. I'm also the only Democrat who was out knocking doors in the pandemic last year. That was not popular. There's nobody likes to do it. It didn't look good for me to be out there. At the same time, I knew that the people who would open their doors were people that were willing to pull a lever for a Democrat who was out, you know, despite the pandemic. And, and I was able to squeak it out by uh, 600 votes, which is probably one tenth the number of doors that I knocked to do it. Right. So we need everyone knocking doors next year and and getting out there. You can't rest on your laurels. We have to we have to realize that we're getting our asses kicked and we got to do something different. Have you made an endorsement yet in the primary for governor? I haven't. No, okay. I, uh, I'm I, on the same boat. I'm still waiting to, you know, <laughs> candidly, I'm friends with all of them. Like yeah. really all of them. Like, yeah. and that is great. Uh, commissioner freed is, is a stakeholder and an incredible, uh, ally in writing this bill. Like she, she's a part of this bill. Um, you know, uh, 
former Governor Christ, Congressman Christ, is 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 a friend of mine who represents a, a moderate district, very similar to mine. So, um, I'm I'm in a tough spot on that one. But uh, you know, there'll be a time and a place for it. My my first priority is getting through the legislative session. I, I've told all three that I'm not going to do anything until after session. So we'll have that conversation then. Well, the people of Florida, uh, regardless of red or blue or independent libertarian, are lucky to have a representative like you uh, who can take that holistic approach to representing them, um, regardless of personal politics. So we appreciate you jumping into rotation with us uh, this morning. Are there is there any, any last words that you want to leave the public or the activists that are tuning in? We're back. Well, I, I know uh, Carlos and Gary just got the uh, the computer virus of COVID, so they were out there. For, <laughs> I blame Matt Gates not because he's actually guilty, but uh, well, he actually is guilty, but <laughs> it just makes total sense. I, I would just say, you know, it's as a parting a parting shots, um, you know, number one thing I want people to remember about the bill is we are cutting the cost for patients by about sixty percent. And that's huge. That's a, that's a huge thing for people statewide. Uh, telehealth is going to be transformational, uh, making sure that we set the framework for success that we can build on in the future is in this bill. These testing councils, these these are parts, these are steps that are going to be required to get to patient protections, to get to adequate DUI laws that um, keep people safe on our streets and make it easier for our opposition to help us next year when we are making decisions from a more informed place, right? Um, research university issues, um, uh, testing and making sure the products are safe. Like that, that's all stuff we can get behind. And uh, so, it, you know, and also candidly for anybody who questions my motives, the motives of Senator Gruters or, or Representative Spencer Roach, uh, these guys were our opposition in the past. That's true, but they're not anymore. And, and it, we need to not crucify them. We need to create as many opportunities for, for our opposition to come join us as possible, um, because that's what politics is, right? Is bringing everybody on board, moving this conversation in a more positive direction. And uh, I wanna make sure we reward them for doing that uh, because that will help us get more friends next year. And the more friends we get in this process, the better position we will be to pass all of the things that were on that wish list that you and I went over. So. Um, I just I want to thank y'all for having me. This has been great, Gary, for representing the Navy merch, uh, beat Army, and uh, I'm excited with, to keep doing it. Carlos, that, how you feeling, man? You look a little more easy I, than I, you were earlier. I want to I want to Carlos finish my a, review here. Hold on one second there. I think we forgot to mention that this is a cookies and cream bar. <laughs> and it's really fucking strong. It's 500 milligrams of Delta ATAC. Split it between three people here. It must I be that strong. Gary you still just paused. <laughs> um, their internet's out again. And it's the internet. It's not. It's not the edibles. Carlos is not frozen in time. It's the internet. <laughs> so. Well, Rev Learner, we appreciate you jumping into rotation with us. I, I, you know, what you just said right there is so profound, turning your ops into allies. And I think that is a, a key thing that we need to do in this movement. For so long, um, the the 
partisan nature of the us versus them attitude, especially in the advocacy movement, has been very strong uh, because you've seen traditionally one political party upholding prohibitionists as their as their expert witnesses and as their allies. And you see activists trying to utilize the science and, 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 and stick up for sick patients. So uh, appreciate your philosophy of turning those ops into allies. I think that's going to take us a long way in the future. I'm excited, man. Th thanks again for having me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member. Because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal. Gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National. All by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.